Amen. Our Lord and Savior is mighty to save. If you want to know how mighty he is to save, look no further than the fact that he was able to save you. Okay, see, y'all feel like y'all was close to the Lord. I, I don't know. There, there's another group of us in here that realized we were far from the Lord. But the Lord reached down and said, that's mine and saved us. He is certainly mighty to save. Well, I'm excited to be here. Psalm 100 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks and bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. What a delight and honor it is to worship that kind of a king, that kind of a savior. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I'm happy to be here. Y'all happy to be here? Yes. Just look at somebody and say, you look nice today. Come on, tell somebody else you smell nice today. Not that you don't always smell nice, but to smell nice today. Amen. Well, listen, let me publicly express my, uh, my gratitude for our first-time visitors. If you're here and this is the first time you're, uh, you're, you're worshiping with us, we are excited that you're here. It's a big deal. We make a lot, a lot of noise about you being with us because we know that you have options, that you didn't have to be here. Uh, and so we're excited about there. There's two things you should know about our church. Number one, uh, we love Jesus, man. We, we are going to sing about him. We're going to preach about him. We're going to take communion to remember him uh, because we love Jesus. But the second thing we really love is, is the word of God. So won't you guys indulge me and grab your Bibles and run to Romans chapter five. Y'all all right this morning? Is it still morning time, afternoon? Well, listen, it's a bittersweet Sunday. It really is because uh, one of our deacons is, this is her last, potentially her last Sunday being with us. Uh, Felicia, Felicia is, uh, is heading. Dang. Felicia is heading down to Delaware. She's going to be working on her PhD from the University of Delaware. Let me, let, me invite, let, me, let me invite Felicia. Come on up here, Felicia. Y'all make some noise for Felicia. Felicia has been a, uh, an amazing, amazing contribution to our church. She's, been, she's become a friend for me uh, and just full of wisdom. There have been, been times where she came into my office for counseling, and then I kind of reversed it. It was like, I need counseling. And she uh, was able to help me. And so I'm grateful for her. And we, we want to send you away well. We don't want to just say bye to you, but we want you to, it's not a lot, but see if you can go get you, take your past out to get something to eat. Uh, <laughs> we also want to give you flowers. And let's celebrate her. Amen. Amen. Celebrate her. All of the deacons, can y'all come up? Deacons, deacons. Deacons, y'all come on, come on, come on. If you are a deacon in the room, if you could come up, amen, we're missing a few. Y'all just do me a favor. Everybody, you guys uh, jump around. You get in the middle here. You're preaching today. All right. Y'all lay hands on Felicia for me. Y'all know she can, though. Father, I'm so grateful for uh, this young lady, your daughter, um, this jewel in the kingdom. Lord, I'm thinking about the young ladies that have been impacted by her words and discipleship. And uh, e even up until last week, just thinking about her visiting people's homes. And Lord, I'm just grateful for deacons that care for your church, not care for titles, yeah. 
but care for the work. So, Father, I pray, oh God, a covering of protection over her. As she heads down to Delaware, oh God, I pray that all doors would be open. Lord, I pray, oh God, as she sits to study, I pray that you would give her a great mind and endurance. Protect her physically, oh God, as she stands and does the work that I think you were calling her to. And also pray, Lord, we, we know that we don't ever just chase degrees, but we chase calling. And so, Lord, as she heads down to Delaware, I pray that you would surround her with people that don't know you. So that she could impact their lives with the gospel of Christ. And that she would be able to come back with a degree and a testimony of souls that were saved. And so, Father, we, we submit her to you. We are fully confident, oh God, that you will cover her and that you will protect her. And Lord, I, I pray, oh God, that even when she gets this degree, that she come back and spread that love, that financial love. Lord, I pray for it. So, Father, we, we thank you for her, God. We send her off well. She has our full confidence and blessing, oh God. So be with her. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all thank God for Felicia. Amen. Well, listen, before, <laughs> before we get into the word of God, uh, there's one more thing I need to do. Um, as you guys know, since the fall of last year, we really felt pressed on our heart that the Lord was calling us to raise uh, resources we didn't know why. I don't know if you guys remember this. I, I said we need to do a capital campaign. We don't, I, I'm not afraid to ask you guys for money. I think, you know, it would be nice if God just dropped a stack in the bank, but that's not how he does it. He provides for his kingdom through his people. And so I have a responsibility to stand before you and say, you got it. We need it. And, uh, and, and cast vision for why we need it. And I don't, know, I don't know if you guys remember me saying, man, I, I don't, I don't, we don't have a building in mind. We don't have a building, uh, you know, location or anything. We just, we're, we need to raise money off of need. Look around this room. It's full in this room. We just had a, a service before this one that we ushered out. You guys came in, and after you guys leave, there's another service that will come in here. And so we're desperately in need of space. But not only in here, you know, y'all keep having babies. And you, you know, the, the Bible says that he added to the church daily, and y'all are doing that through having babies daily. And so the, 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 kids, room, the kids' room is just getting tighter and tighter and tighter, and so we, we just need a larger facility. And so we, we came to you and said, this is what we need in the next two years. We feel that the Lord is calling us to raise $300,000 by the end of 2020, December of 2020, and you guys responded. In fact, you guys came. I remember on Commitment Sunday, y'all came in here and put the commitment cards in the box, and you guys said, 300000 ain't enough. We are, we're going to at least need 452000 Y'all dropped the commitment cards in the box and said that's what. Y'all exceeded our expectations. And you guys have been giving. You guys have been, I mean, honestly been generous. Your stewardship has been amazing. You're, you're not giving because you're nervous of being cursed with the curse. Curse is he that hung on a tree. You're giving as a response to the gospel. And I'm, I'm grateful for a church that is generous, that doesn't look at the church as, uh, as all the money going to the pastor. I'm not, listen, I haven't touched the account. I just want to put that out there to you. I don't even have that type of control over our resources because we put protections in place to make sure that we're stewarding your resources with, with integrity and with character. Uh, but I do want to announce the, every quarter we try to announce the progression, what we've gathered so far. So I, I'd love to report to you what's in the bank on Spread Love uh, Capital Campaign alone. We've raised so far 177,657 and 57 cents. Amen. 
Amen. God is a provider. God is a provider. He, he really does provide. But keep, keep giving. You know, I, I don't want us to con, uh, just merely celebrate, but I want us to celebrate, but also keep giving. I, I haven't made this um, uh, really, really public, but we really are pursuing a specific location. I, I'm not at liberty to talk about it yet, but we're, we're pursuing a specific location that we need your resources. I mean, what we've raised so far, we praise God for, but uh, what it's going to take is going to take God to literally say that mountain now needs to move here. And he does that through your giving. So we, we like to, my, my goal is that we could move into this space pretty soon. I'll announce it soon, but pretty soon we'll be able to move into a larger facility and be able to walk in and say, okay, what do we want to do to the facility? Because you've already raised the money. I mean, what a blessing that is. We don't have to go out and try to find money and try to raise money now, but you guys already have it in the bank. So I praise God for your, your generosity. I love the way Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. So I'm not asking you to just give with attitude. I'm asking you to give because you want to give because, God, your resources ain't yours anyway. What I'm asking you to give is what you're a steward of, which is God's money. Amen? Amen. All right, let's get into the word of God. Shout out to the blog team. Y'all are killing it. Amen. Everybody that's working on the block, can you just stand up? Just stand up for a second. I know y'all don't like this. Come on, quick, 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 quick. There we go. Y'all thank God for our block team. Amen. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that our afflictions produce endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I want to preach today uh, from the topic that's really a question. Uh, Why don't you help me announce that and just look at your neighbor and say, what is your experience? Why don't you look at somebody else and just say, what's your experience? So we're going to talk about today. Let me breathe a word of prayer before we dig in. Father, we need you. I literally could stop the prayer right there. Because we need you moment by moment and second by second. There's never a second of the day that we do not desperately need you. And this moment is no different. And so, Father, as we dig into your word, would you, your infallible word, your impeccable word, your word without error, without contradiction. As we look into it, oh God, would you stir up our affections for Jesus? Would you help us to understand your passage more? But also, God, help us to apply. That's the most important. Help us to apply what it is we're hearing today through your word. In Christ's name, we give all glory. Let everybody say amen. 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 What's your experience? Um, As a young church, and this might be debatable, but a young pastor, at least I feel like a young pastor. My oldest son just turned 16 yesterday. Amen. So maybe I'm not a young pastor. At least I feel it. But as a young church and a young pastor, you know, one of the things that often happens is you get a lot of questions. 
you know, as a young church, we get a ton of questions about what our church's positions are, where we stand on abortion, where we stand on homosexuality, where do we stand on social injustice, what does the church believe about tongues, what does the church believe about prophecy, what does the church believe about altar calls, do you lay hands, and it's so funny because Half of the room is divided. Some people say, do altar calls. The other says, don't do altar calls. And so there's this complex mix. And one of the things I found out is all of these questions are legit. And not only are they legit, but the church should be able to respond to those questions with a biblical answer, not my opinion. So whenever I get those questions, I always want to say, well, what does the word of God say? But because of the amount, when we first started the church, the amount of questions we were getting, one of the things we realized is we needed to set up a way that we could answer a plethora of questions at one time versus the one-off conversations. So we started something that we're doing after the third service today. Uh, every first Sunday after the third service, we do something called Discover Epiphany. Discover Epiphany is literally a 10 to 15-minute crash course on our, ch- on our church, on our church's positions. And you lead it. I don't lead it. I'm not, I'm not talking a lot. I want to know what questions you have. And based on what questions you have, you guide the conversation. So I sit down and nothing's off the table. You can ask anything you want. But there was one Discover Epiphany that we had when we first started the church. And I got a question, and if I'm honest with you, it's taken me almost two years to answer. I wrestled through one question that was given to me two years ago that I just now am starting to get to the place where I think I understand the answer to that question. Here's the, you might not think it's that deep. Here's the question I got. Is this church... A, theological, or B, experiential? Okay, let, 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 me, let me try to make this plain. They're asking me, is this church theological? Are we going to go deep into the doctrines of Scripture? Are you going to teach me about penal substitution and efficacious grace? Are you going to teach me about the hypostatic union? If you ain't talking predestination, I ain't coming to the church. Is the church deep enough? That's number one. But, but the, second, the second part of that question is, or is the church experiential? Uh, meaning, does the church teach how one should experience God in our day-to-day lives? I'm not looking for all that deep stuff. I, I don't care about penal substitution. I don't care about predestination. What I need to do is I need to, ex- I need to participate in the worship. I need to experience God. I need to experience tongues. I need to run around and I need to shout. And I'm not against any of those things. But one of the things I found myself doing as a pastor is leaning towards theology and not experience. And there's a danger in doing that. There is a deep danger in you sitting down, taking notes, learning about God, but not experiencing the God that you were learning about. In other words, you came in here today not to hear about how Paul experienced God, but to hear how Paul experienced God is how God wants you to experience him. You didn't come in here to simply hear about how Moses met with God, but you came in here to hear about how Moses met with God because then you can see how God wants to meet with you. It's not enough for us to just learn about how Ruth and Esther met with God, but you learn about how Ruth and Esther met with God so that we can have encouragement for how God wants to meet with us. And the question on the table is, are we theological or experiential? Here's the answer. We're both. You got to be both. In other words, the church should go deep because the scriptures Go deep. It's a bottomless, like you can't reach the bottom of the depth of Scripture. And so therefore, we should be able to unpack the deep truth of Scripture. But good theology always moves from theology to experience. 
It always does. If your theology is not a means in, in, to an end in and of itself, if all you do is take notes, you're, you're, what you really are is disproportionate. You know, if I went to the gym right now and all I did was worked on legs, like every day can't be legs day or else I'm disproportioned. <laughs> and many of you spiritually are disproportioned because you want to be theological but don't want to experience God and vice versa. Some of you only want to experience God, but you don't want to be theological. Here's what I'm calling us to. I'm calling those that are just theological to be more experiential and those who are experiential to be more theological because I think we can be both and not dismantle the scriptures. We can be faithful to the scriptures and we can speak in tongues. We can prophesy. We can experience God in expressive worship, but you can go deep in theology as well. And we should be. Do not check your brains at the door and just say, I just want to experience them. No, no, no. Bring your brain inside. Let us think. Let us reason. Let us look and search the depth of the scripture so that when we see how deep scripture goes, it leads us to worshiping in an experiential way. So this question on the table is, are we theological or are we experiential? I think Paul is going to help us today. Paul is going to answer the question are we experiential or experiential or theological? And he's going to answer that question. I love Paul in five short verses. It don't take long, Paul long enough to, to get us there. Now, over the last few weeks, what we've been doing is we've been in theology. We've been talking about how you're justified by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. What do we do? We looked back at Abraham. We looked back at David and we said, these two men, theology, these two men were justified by faith alone. And you wrote notes, but here's the question. Have we experienced the God that these men wrote about? So that's what we're going to do today, because what Paul does is Paul says, listen, I don't want you to just be spiritually constipated with theology. I need you to flesh that thing out through experience that there are three major ways that verses one to two say that we experience God. Can, can you guys work with me just a little bit? Get you out of here before brunch. <laughs> Verse one, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory. Three things that verses one through two said, you get when you access God, you get peace, you get access and you get joy. Now, I love this because Paul starts out by saying, therefore, since we have been declared righteous. In other words, Paul is writing to people right now that have experienced God. He's saying, listen, over the last few weeks, I'm telling you, you have been justified by faith alone in Christ. The one that has been deemed righteous, the one who has trusted in Jesus apart from their works, but leaned on the work of Jesus Christ. That person I'm talking to. And when he says I'm talking to you, he's saying now that you have experienced God and Christ in such a way, it should move to experience. What is our experience? Peace, access and joy. Now, I love this because the first one that he gives us is peace. And I don't know about y'all, but I got turmoil in my life that I just need some peace. Look at what it says in verse Number one, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that you and God, Paul is saying, are no longer beefing? You and God have no, you, you and God no longer have issues. I know why you didn't say anything right there. You didn't take notes. You didn't clap. Here's why. Because you don't think that you and God were enemies before Jesus Christ. 
Do you understand before you put your faith in Jesus Christ that you and God didn't see eye to eye? Do you realize before you put your faith in Jesus Christ that you and God were enemies? You bunted heads, and I know you think that you were so close to God that he should have accepted you, but the reality is his holiness should have killed you. See, because God is so holy, he is offended by sin, but he's also so holy, he's offended by your good works. And that's what we do. We've been like, listen to me. Me and God are cool because I'm a good person, but you being a good person ain't good enough. You're still an enemy of God. Let me put a little bit of Bible here, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, which is literally a few verses later. Here's what Paul says. When we were enemies of God, we were reconciled through the death of his son. Paul says that there was contention between you and a holy God. But when I read the text today, it says you got peace with him now. If you've trusted in Jesus, you and God are no longer enemies, but you get accepted through God giving you peace. And here's what I know, that the peace that God gives us has to be vertical with him. But if it's true, genuine peace with him, it becomes horizontal. In other words, if I got peace with God, I should have peace with you. If I, if I get, there's no reason why you still should be like some of y'all too old to still be fighting with people. Like you 40, you still cussing people out? Like you, you, you still telling people off, you still acting shady, you still giving the, those subliminal messages on Facebook, you still giving people the silent treatment, but you got peace with God, I should have peace with you. And hear me, peace doesn't mean the absence of issues. Peace means if you did me wrong, I'm a peacemaker, therefore I'm going to come to you and say you did me wrong. That's real peace. Peace isn't, I'm going to sweep the issues under the rug. No, we're going to deal with it. And it might be hard. I might got to bring somebody else in. Somebody else might got a referee between us two. But at the end of the day, I'm seeking peace because I got peace with God. And when you got peace with God, you can have peace with family members. I need somebody talking that you know you got issues in your family, issues in your relationships, issues in your, with your coworkers. You got an issue with your boss, but God is calling you today to resolve issues because you're a peacemaker. Peacemaker. It is an oxymoron to be a Christian that all of your relationships are toxic. All of you, every relationship, at some point, it ain't those around you, it's you. You might be the issue, but God is calling you to be a peacemaker. So what does he say? When you've experienced God, that experience with God causes you to be a peacemaker. And what I love about this idea of him calling us to be a peacemaker is the access we have to him, or at least the experience we have with him, doesn't just stop at peacemaker, but it goes on to access. Look at the text with me. It says, therefore, we have been declared righteous. Since we've been declared righteous, here it is. First, we get peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into the grace in which we stand. Do you realize that you have divine access to the throne of grace? Like you having access to God should be a problem. But the solution was that the cross was so powerful that you don't got to tiptoe into the presence of God. Hebrews chapter four, verse six will say you can come boldly before the throne of grace. And here's what I love about coming boldly before the throne of grace. You walking into the access to the access you have with the king should kill you. Do you know in ancient times 
that you couldn't just walk into the presence of a king without being invited. I'm reading right now uh, uh, the book of Esther for my devotional time. And it's 10 chapters long. I'm in chapter, I think I'm in chapter eight now. And, and I got stuck in chapter four. The reason I got stuck in chapter four is because there's this story of how Queen Esther, the queen, the king's wife, could not just go into the presence of the king. And so her uncle Mordecai wrote her a letter and said, you got to go, you got to make this request for us. And she says, well, this is what we're going to do. Go tell everybody to fast for me. Tell them to fast for three days. I'm going to tell my servants to fast for three days. And after the third day, I'll then go. Do you see the preparation that went into going into the presence of a king? Because the penalty for it is death. We all walked into the presence of a king. If he didn't extend the holy scepter, you would be killed on the spot. But God ain't like that. God says, listen, you got divine access. But the cross was so powerful, you ain't got to schedule an appointment. You ain't got to wait two weeks. You ain't got to get on my calendar. You can, in the middle of traffic, you can be in the middle of Midtown and get to the throne of grace. We have divine access to God. And here's what I know. Divine access to God should be what kills us, but you get to get in his presence. My, my favorite music videos when I was a kid, 90s are the best videos. I don't know what these kids listen to today. That trap music is whack. I just want to put that out there. Sorry, son. Whack. But in the 90s, we had good, we had good music videos. Some, sometimes I text with some of the guys that I'm discipling, and we, we just shoot each other videos sometimes. And, you know, one of my favorite videos is, is, is Missy Elliott, I Can't Stand the Rain. That, that thing just changed the game, right, with the plastic bag on it. Just changed the game. That's one of my favorite videos. My, my second favorite video is, and y'all got to pray for me, is BBD Do Me Baby. It's just something about the water splashing, the neon. He, they just killing it. But my favorite video of all time, and y'all better make some noise, or we're going to call an altar call. My favorite video of all time is Michael Jackson, Remember the Time. I mean, just hands down. There's a scene, there's a scene before the video starts where Eddie Murphy is sitting on the throne. And he got his wife there, the queen is there, and the queen looks at Eddie Murphy and she says, I'm bored. And he's pouring some wine and he's doing one of these and he's smelling the notes and drinking it. And his wife is like, I'm bored, can you entertain the queen? And he says, sure, and he does one of these and one person comes in front. And when the one person comes in front, they're juggling and they're doing an entertaining and performing for the king. And the wife says, throw him to the lions. And then the next person comes, y'all remember the video. The next person comes up, and when the next person comes up, he has a fire. He's blowing, he's putting it out in his mouth, and the queen is not, she, she's not entertained, and she says, off with his head. And finally, Michael Jackson comes, he throws a black sand, and he does a little, you know, you remember the time? He kills it, kills it. But, 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 but notice this. Listen to me. When you stand before the king, your performance better be spotless. But here's what I love. The God that we serve gives you such divine access. He sits up and says, you can come before me because I'm not accepting you based on your performance. But I accept you because the performance that my son did. Oh, that was stellar. And his performance was so dope that he now allows sinful people like you and I to be in his presence. A sinner in the presence of God. It's nothing but grace. It's nothing but mercy. And I love that song that says how amazing grace is, but mercy is just as amazing. Because the Bible says you can come boldly before the throne of grace and find what? Mercy. 
in the time of need. And so the divine access you have is because you have experienced God in such a way that he says, come on in. Don't make no appointment. Appointment is for servants. You're a son. You're a daughter. I'm, I miss you. I want to meet with you. Come into my presence. And here's what we do. Even though you have divine access, you know that we don't take, we don't take advantage of the access we have. You know how I know? Because some of y'all ain't prayed all week. You went through the entire week, Sunday to Sunday, and you ain't get to the throne at all? There was a day that went by that you skipped prayer because you don't take advantage of the access. Some of y'all ain't read your word all week. How, how do you hear from the Lord? You hear from the Lord through the reading of God's word. I know you think you deep and spiritual and God just audibly speaks to you. This is how he speaks to me. So you get divine access through hearing and reading the word of God. You get divine access and some of us don't take advantage. You get that by, here's how you know, litmus test. If you want to know if you take advantage of the access to, that you have, when you go through a trial or a hardship, do you first worry or do you trust in the Lord? Because those who have divine access realize I ain't got to worry because all I got to do is get to the throne. But what we do is, I just love Jeremiah 17, 7, where it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. Some of y'all worry instead of trusting, you might not be taking advantage of the divine access. When's the last time you fasted? I know that's for deep Christians, right? When's the last time you put your plate down, turned your social media off, and just got with the Lord? Solemn assembly. I do it the first week of the year. That's when we all do it. When have you spent time with the Lord and shut down everything to spend time with him? You're not taking advantage of the access. And here's what I know. Y'all shouted when we talked about peace. But now that we're talking about not taking advantage of the access, y'all got quiet on me. When you get home, you need to write a list of ways that you don't take advantage of the access you have. to God says, listen, you experience me. You got peace. You get access to me. You have an all-access pass that doesn't, you know how when people come to our house, you know, I hate when people show up to my house. Don't ever just, don't do that. Because you don't know what I got on. Like, I could have anything, it's my house, so I just, I don't like when people come over unannounced, but I love God because he doesn't care. He wants you to take advantage of the access. He says, come on, knock on the door, I'll be there for you. So you get peace with God when you've experienced him. You get divine access. But there's a third thing you get. Look with me at the verse. Verse two, we've also obtained access through him by faith into the grace in which you stand. Here it is. And we rejoice. Let me say that again. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When you have taken advantage of the divine access, you've experienced God through peace, you also get joy. And here's why that's important. That's a real word for some of you because some of you came in here and you're in a joyless season. You, you ever get in that season where it seems like all hell has broken loose in your life and life is going crazy and you can't seem to figure things out? You got 99 problems and everything is going crazy and going out of control. But the believer, even in the midst of tribulation and trials remains with joy. My mother used to say it this way. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it. Anybody else mama talk to them like that? And the world can't take it away. In other words, the joy that you have cannot be taken from you by trials because the joy that you have is based on an experience. 
with God. When you've experienced God, the believer, it is an oxymoron for us to walk around and say, I'm full of anxiety. I am full of depression in every season of life. No, but you should have joy. Okay, can I be honest with y'all? I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. Two weeks ago, I don't know what it was. I just, several days in a row, I woke up and was just joyless. Wasn't nothing wrong. I couldn't pinpoint. I couldn't say that's why. I mean, it, it just seemed like I was full of anxiety. I felt a slight bit of depression. Can, can I be honest? Is that anybody else in here where you just, you, everything was going fine and you just felt crazy that day. I woke up several days like that. But then on Monday I read this and I said, oh, I got, I can get my mojo back. Because it says to me that when I've experienced God, I experience joy that I would never have experienced if I didn't have God. Some of y'all should be plum crazy right now. The stuff that you have gone through has taken others out, but you got the audacity to be sitting in here on a Sunday morning. You came to get your joy. You get joy with God. And here's what I know. Joy isn't the absence of issues. Don't hear me say you're going to walk out of here and not have issues. No, God's going to light you up. But when God lights you up, you maintain your sanity because you got you got joy. You get joy, and the word of God says this. I don't got to make this up. Look at verse 3. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in afflictions. So our afflictions don't take our joy. See, afflictions take happiness, but not joy. See, there's a difference with happiness and joy. See, happiness is, I can be happy that I got a new car. I can be happy that I got a new house. I can be happy that all my relationships are going well because happiness is external. It's something has to be happening. But joy is different. See, what happens when I lose the car and what happens when, when I lose the house and the house foreclosed? What happens when every relationship goes south? This is when you bank on joy because like my mother said, this joy that you got, the world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. And so when you have real, uh, uh, ex- a real experience with God, You experience him through peace. You experience him through divine access, and you experience him through joy. But that's not it. I love the word of God because he continues to show us what our experiences with God produce. Look at verse 3. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that our afflictions, watch this, produces what? Endurance. Your, like, you get a certain level. God's putting every believer a certain level of endurance. Do you know what endurance is? It's it's the ability to stay the course when everybody else gives up. Like, you get a certain level of stick-to-itness. You get a certain level of keep going when every... In that joyless season, those who don't know Jesus are easily given up. But those of us that have trusted in the work of Jesus, that experience causes you to have endurance preservation causes you to keep going. When I was uh, a sophomore in high school, going into my junior year, my, my track coach, my, my football coach said, you got to build some more endurance because you give up somewhere around third or fourth quarter. You're tired. So here's what you need to do. The off season, go down to the track field and run track. And you know, I, I'm, I had a little arrogance and a little swag. I, I was a little fast. And so I went down to the track coach. I said, all right, I'm here. And here's my events. I'm running the 100 and the 200 because those are sprints, right? Those are quick. And the, and the coach said, oh, I talked to your football coach. He told me that you need to build endurance. And you can't build endurance on 100 and 200. So I'm going to need you to run the 1600. I said, that's four times around. 
I, I just, he said, it's, it's going to be okay, son, because here's what happens. When you're running, and any runner in here, Epiphany Street runners, y'all, y'all might know about this. I don't know about this. But they tell me that when you're ready to give up, there's something called a second wind that kicks in. You ever heard of that? Now, he told, now this is what the, the track coach said. I ain't never experienced it. But I hear that if you run long enough and you are ready to give up, somewhere along the line, something kicks in and you're able to keep going. And that is what God has put in each one of us. It is not just endurance, but when you are ready to throw your hands up, God says endurance kick in. When you are ready to give up, God says keep sticking to it. When you look around and see everybody else falling, God says, no, 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 no. You're my son. You're my daughter. I have put in you a certain level of endurance. Anybody in here was ready to give up at one point in life, but you had endurance. See, the experience you have with God gives you joy. It gives you divine access. It gives you peace, but it gives you endurance. The final way that we get to experience God And I would say the most important way is in verse number five. The most important way that you get to experience God is right here. Look at what it says. It says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Here it is. Through the Holy Spirit who was given to you. Do you understand what the text is saying here? The text is literally saying to you that the moment that you believe in Jesus Christ, you experience me by experiencing the Holy Spirit inside of you. Okay. The moment you believe in God, not a day later, a theological check, not a month later, you ain't got to get to the altar to tarry for him. We've reduced the Holy Spirit to tongues only. But you hear me and hear me clearly. According to Ephesians chapter 1, the moment you trust in him, you are empowered with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And see, the two theological camps that I was talking about, well, one of those theological camps is is experiential. And the other one was theological. And you know, this is what we do. They treat the Holy Spirit two different ways because one just wants to learn about him and one wants to experience him. And what we, we even give them two different names. One of them, the, 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 the experiential calls them the Holy Spirit. But, the, but, but the, 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 the experiential, no, no, theological call them the Holy Spirit, but the experiential calls him, as Kevin on stage says, the Holy Ghost. Amen. See, you, you know it's a difference when somebody says, did you receive the Holy Ghost versus the Holy Spirit? We treat them differently. And we've reduced him. They call it the forgotten God. We, we treat the Holy Spirit like the stepchild of the Trinity. God is living in you. And when God lives in you, that experience never ends. Because here's what I know. When he puts it in you, he doesn't take it out of you. It stays in. Okay, theologically. Look at Peter's life. Acts chapter 2, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts chapter 4, he's filled again. Why is he filled again? Because as you go in life and as you grow and as you do ministry and as you deal with hardships, the Holy Spirit just keeps coming in, keeps filling, keeps saying, I'm here. I'm here. Lean on me. Rely on me. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit comes the moment that you've trusted in Jesus? Well, what we would rather do is say, say, instead of saying, Lord, can you lead? What street should I drive down today? What, 
What train? You ever been standing at the train? I know y'all never did this. And you like, the train come up, you like, mm, spirit says don't get on that train. Let that, let that one go by. I'm going to catch the next one. I'm going to be late, but I'd rather follow the Holy Spirit than get on and something happened and he told me not to get on. That's following the Holy Spirit. But what we've done is we just want to get to the altar and tarry for the holy for, for the tongues. But everybody may not speak in tongues. Okay, y'all don't believe me. The Bible says that, that John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit while he's in Elizabeth's womb. Are you telling me he was bucking and, and screaming in the, in the womb? No, the Holy Spirit ain't for you to control and do some external. The Holy Spirit is for you to, gu- to guide you and lead you. Here, here's the question I have. Here's the question I have. Are you grieved at what the Holy Spirit inside you is grieved at? Because we've, dra- we've taken the Holy Spirit in, in atmospheres that the Holy Spirit is like, why are you here? But you allow yourself to stay in the atmosphere. And this is when you are led by the Spirit. You follow what the Spirit. This is why you got to pray for discernment. You got to pray that God speak to me. God, talk to me. Talk to me through somebody. Talk to me through your word. Help me make these decisions. Help me deal with this trial. Help me deal with this bad marriage. You need the Holy Spirit if you want to experience real joy. So the Bible says here that you experience him through peace. You experience him through divine access. You experience him through having joy, unspeakable joy. You you know which one I missed? You experience him by having character. Because the Bible says that the endurance produces character. Do you know what character is? Character is you looking. This is the best definition I got. Character is you looking more like Jesus. That's all character is. And hear me, hear me well. Those who I disciple, them brothers, y'all know that I care most. I will lose my cool if you lack integrity and character. Because what we've done is we've allowed our skills to get us into places that your character can't sustain you. So you moved up the corporate ladder because you know how to do some things and you creative, but you lack integrity. There is not enough uh, uh, a skill that can overcome manipulation. That there is not enough skill that can overcome bad habits and lying. And what you need is you need character. And what you only get character by having close proximity to God. You you do know that. But it's like, you know, sometimes I. And I'm ashamed to say this, but it's true. There are times where, depending on who I'm talking to, I switch up my dialect to match theirs. Y'all never did that? Where you talk to somebody and you talking like them, and you get to somebody else and you using their language, and you get with somebody else and you talking like them. Why? Because you, you start to switch up based on the proximity you have to that person. And so you start to talk like them, and the Holy Spirit is like, listen, character is you getting around me and talking like me. Character is you getting around me and walking like me. You got peace with God through this experience. You get divine access with God through this experience. Access is literally, <laughs> access, let me tell you something about access. You only know the, how deep the relationship goes based on the access you have to that person. Like if I allowed you in, if we ain't never eat together, we may not be that cool. No shade. But, but if, you, if, you ain't, if you ain't ever, like, questioned my salvation, we might, not be, we might not be that close. Because the access we have determines the depth of the relationship. If, if we ain't ever, like, if you ain't ever heard me cuss you out and then say, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, we might. Oh, y'all so spiritual this morning. 
Y'all got me out here. You got me? All right. Listen, you don't have real relationship unless you got deep access. You got peace with the experience. You got divine access. You got joy. You get character and you get the Holy Spirit. Somebody in here walked in here and you don't know Jesus. As we talk about experiences, I'm not naive. You just like the music. You just like the coffee. You like the people. I like it too. But, but, but understand something. If you, you can just like the community and not know Jesus. And my hope and prayer is that as we talk about real divine access to God, you only get that through believing in Jesus. Have you placed your faith in the one who has purchased your salvation? The one who took your past sins, your present sins, and he's so dope, he took the sins that you ain't even commit yet. The sins you'll do tonight, he already took. Now, don't hear me say go out and sin. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, see, that's why I love the Bible, because the Bible says that there is, we're sinning bound. Grace. Grace much more abounds. And so I don't know who that is. Maybe you're in here and you haven't trusted in Jesus. My deepest prayer and goal this week was to get into this text so that you can hear about Jesus. You need him. I know you tried it on your own. God is like, listen, you're going to fail every time. What you need is me. Then there's another group in here that has trusted in Jesus. You've walked with him for a while, but he misses you because you haven't experienced him. The prayer that I was saying, the, the prayerless weeks you've had and the, the lack of reading and studying the word of God you've had, the lack of character you had is all a result of not experiencing him over and over again. Every morning this week, I want you to wake up and say, God, how can I experience you today? How can, like, what, what work can you do in my life that I'm following you, not culture? That I'm following you, not Cardi B. That I'm following you, not homecoming, Beyonce. Okay, maybe homecoming. <laughs> but what, what can you do? <laughs> Tracy? What can you do this week to show God, to, to, sh to seriously show God that you want to experience him? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, forgive us. I start the prayer praying and pleading for forgiveness. Because we've gone through life and got comfortable with not experiencing you. Functional dysfunction. When we go through life and... We would rather experience friends' counsel and our own wisdom. Father, help us this week to see how foolish our wisdom is. Help us to see how we fall short and how we need you and how we need to lean on our experience with you, how we need to lean on the Holy Spirit. Help us see that this week. Father, forgive us because some of us have been guilty of theologizing your scriptures alone. And that allowed that to lead us to really experiencing you. And then there's another group, Lord, that has just leaned on experience, but has no depth, has no foundation. Because all we do is just want to feel you. But Father, help us to see how disproportionate we are. Help us to see that not balancing those two is a perfect example of an immature Christian. But as we mature, we grow in theology. But as we mature, we also grow in our experiences. 
And so I pray, oh God, that we would have good theology, but we'd be able to have a good testimony of how you impacted our lives, how you walked with us, how you've helped, helped, us, helped us make decisions that we wouldn't have made without you. So Father, help us take advantage of the relationship we have with you. Father, for the one that doesn't know you, I pray for them, Lord. Pray for that young lady that genuinely feels like she's too far from you. There's no way you could love her. There's no way. But help her to realize, Lord, you love her more than she'll ever be loved at your cross. And I pray that you would ransom her heart right now. That you would help her to see that that void and the emptiness in her life is a result of not having an experience with you. Pray for that young man. It's in the cycle of sin. That young man that got comfortable coasting. He might know you, he might not, but got comfortable in the dysfunction. Pray, oh God, that they will realize that what they need is an experience with you. So, Father, corporately, I pray that for our church as well. Father, there's some big decisions we need to make. There's some doors that we need open. Shoot, there's some doors we need closed. And Lord, we trust in you. We trust in your word. And we trust that you would give us a corporate experience with you. That we'd be able to look back and say, remember when we used to do that. But as a church, we've grown and we've matured. So Father, would you be with us, oh God? Pray for the one that doesn't know you. I pray that they would come and talk to somebody today about what it means to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.